Larry Haas is standing by, U.S. political commentator. He used to work in the White House many moons ago. He's nowadays with the American Foreign Policy Council. Larry, how significant is this? I think it's quite significant, not just for the United States, but for Canada. I was very impressed with the lineup uh, in that uh, press conference, the variety of different departments that were uh, represented there, making clear that this is an extremely significant uh, and important move by the Trump administration in its escalating uh, tensions with China. But like you said, Todd, I was very struck by how U.S. officials went out of their way to comp uh, compliment uh, Canada for its steadfastness and its cooperation with the United States. And obviously, that raises the stakes in the current tensions between Canada and China and also puts enormous pressure on Canada uh, in the upcoming request from the United States to uh, extradite uh, Meng Wanzhou. Welcome to D-Next, the Innovation and Entrepreneurs Podcast, and I'm your host, Paul Kouidis. On this episode, we look at the future of media, technology, education, politics, and the view from Huawei. Morgan Elliott, thank you very much for joining us for D-Next. We appreciate the time. Well, thanks, Paul. It's a pleasure to be here, and I feel like I'm uh, an esteemed company. I have uh, saw some of the other podcasts, and uh, as a young guy growing up in Toronto, to be on a, a similar podcast that uh, Alan Cross or Humble Howard have been on is, uh, is an honor, so thanks for inviting me. Well, good. I will definitely let them know. And Primarily, our objective here, this is a masterclass series, so it's really important to me that we always learn something with these sessions, and I think that we've achieved that goal. I want to start with that in mind to ask you, um, what is the one thing you think we need to know about Huawei in Canada? What, what don't we understand from your perspective? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. A lot of people don't know uh, about Huawei, you know, uh, until you know the geopolitical tensions with uh, with uh, Mr. Trump in the United States. I don't think most people had ever heard of of, of the company, and uh, I think one of the criticisms, and it's a fair criticism of the company, is we really haven't uh, told its story uh, here in Canada. So Huawei's been here. Uh, in Canada for, I think this is the 13th year uh, it's been in, in, in the market. And it was really as a result of um, uh, the larger telecoms players here in Canada, along with uh, uh, the then government of, of Stephen Harper that invited um, uh, the company uh, into Canada to start selling, selling its uh, goods. And so um, we've been here 13 years. Uh, on just the pure R&D side, we have over 1,200 employees, and um, uh, I, I think when this podcast is out, there'll be some new numbers about the top 10 R&D spenders in Canada, and I think we're either number uh, 18 or 17 uh, on, on the list. 
do about $260 million uh, a year in, in R&D, which is an increase of $80 million uh, year over year. So, you know, despite all the, all the news that people read, still a very big uh, uh, presence here in uh, Canada. And so the one thing that people should know is uh, for the mobile networks uh, here in Canada, Huawei already provides equipment um, for about 70 to 80 percent of the the network uh, already uh, on 3G and, and and 4G. There's never been any cybersecurity instances. Uh, we're probably one of the most scrutinized companies uh, in the world. Uh, you know, the Canadian government security agencies review our source source code, they look through the, the equipment. And so if there was any concerns, uh, you know, they certainly would have been uh, prevalent right, right from the start. And, you know, just from a pure crass uh, uh, economic uh, point of view, you know, there's lots of uh, allegations about what we do and what we don't do, but, you know, <laughs> It's in our best interest uh, financially to make sure that uh, we don't violate any security rules, uh, that there's no back doors, because if there, if there was, we wouldn't be in Canada. We wouldn't be in 169 other countries across the globe. We, we'd, be, uh, we'd be a small company in, in one country. So it's in our economic best interest. So that's more than one thing, but there's many things that people should know, but that, that's what uh, uh, I would like to, to leave the, the knowledge that, you know, the company's been here for 13 years, a good corporate citizen, uh, and, and actually a very large investor in the Canadian economy. Okay, and just so everyone understands, previous to your role with Huawei, uh, you've been doing a lot of work uh, at very high levels in Canada. Maybe you can just sort of fill us in on some of that background too. Yeah, I, I, listen, I've been super lucky in terms of my career and some of the things I've uh, been able to work on and been exposed to. You know, I started off uh, as a, a young guy uh, working at uh, on the hill in, in Ottawa. So getting exposed uh, through various different uh, senior ministers, uh, issues that, you know, some people don't ever see in, in their career. And uh, I often joke with people, I, I, I wish I... I knew now what I thought I knew back then, but um, it, it really gives you a good idea of what motivates people, how people react, how public policy gets formed, and really how you can uh, be part of the debate in, in, in seeking change. And so uh, after government, I've spent uh, my career primarily uh, in the tech uh, sector, you know, from uh, uh, large U.S. multinationals to, you know, champions like like BlackBerry to small startups that were seeking uh, uh, capital funding for, for their expansion plan. So I've just been exposed to a lot of uh, unique issues. And I basically what I think my, my job is, is sort of a, a translator, you know, trying to translate what business wants to do into ways that government could understand and at the same time trying to uh, let businesses understand what what government's trying to do and how the two can can work together because um, you know we have a real unique uh, system in Canada and I think people that do business abroad and, and travel abroad will, will certainly tell you you know yeah Canada is not, is not perfect but it works pretty well in comparison to uh, to other countries and and if you can be successful in business here in Canada, this is one of the toughest markets to be uh, successful in. You know, the geography, um, 
a relatively small population in comparison to to other countries and so you know if you can be successful here uh, you can be successful uh, anywhere not it's not only uh, limited to New York City I would say it's uh, here in Canada too uh, as well and so being able to translate um, you know interest between government and business they all basically have the the same goals um, yes they go about doing it in different ways but to have that understanding, I think, is just a, a unique position to, to be in. And I've been lucky enough to uh, been afforded that, that opportunity. So do you think Canada is as innovative as it needs to be? Are, are we competitive on a worldwide stage? You mentioned it being a difficult market in some ways, but maybe unpack that for us a little bit. Yeah, that, that that's a difficult question to answer um, because uh, the answer is it depends. Um, you know, we've got some of the best educational post-secondary systems uh, here in Canada. We've got some great um, support programs for uh, small companies. I think where maybe we fall down as a country uh, on a competitive basis is uh, larger uh, uh, multinational companies. There's not a lot of large uh, Canadian headquartered multinational uh, companies when, when it comes down to it you know there's just maybe a couple couple of dozen uh, overall and so in order to be competitive how do we grow um, and, and sustain uh, you know the, the the next Shopify um, you know how do we grow and sustain the you know uh, another Blackberry how do we grow and sustain another Magna in the manufacturing area? Um, and so in terms of, are we competitive and innovative? Uh, absolutely, but I think where Canada falls down as a country is sustaining that long-term uh, growth and development of, of multinational uh, champions. And so the, the, the question then is, well, do we need to do that to, to be successful? And certainly there's lots of people far smarter than me that think about this uh, uh, every day. Uh, but, you know, do we want to be a branch planned economy, not, not only of the US, but of, of Europe, of China, of other countries? Uh, I, I think that's where we really need to, to focus our efforts from a public policy point of view, and also a business investment point of view, making sure we have um, in addition to the smart people that are coming out of our universities, uh, the people that uh, actually know how to do business that may not necessarily uh, depend on the hard research skills, but the hard business skills. And certainly now as Canada and the rest of the world attempts to reset or move forward in the next little while, the public conversation around really how everything is going to operate going forward, but particularly the role that technology is going to play in so many fundamental sectors uh, that uh, impact our lives. Where do you see the future of, let's just say, media technology going? Are there some new frontiers that we should be looking at? Um, yeah, you know, the, the next the future for me is 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 exciting in terms of what could happen because we don't know what's going to going to happen. There's been so many industries, so many sectors that have been uh, upended by by technology. Um, I, you know, I think one of the the, the biggest developments 
uh, and it's it's not a technology, but one of the biggest developments coming over the whole technological revolution is is location. And you know, if if we're able to, uh, as a country, as a globe, to 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 propagate uh, uh, internet connection to to everyone, you know, being in a large geographical area for collaboration is no longer uh, uh, a necessity. Um, smart minds always are a necessity and so they won't be limited by the fact that you know they're not exposed to something or they don't have access to, to collaborate with with uh, other individuals so i think that's where the, the the biggest development in terms of technology is going to be coming over uh, coming out is is it's no longer dependent on on, on location yeah yeah for sure you know you want those uh, collisions where people bump into each other and, and can chat but I think uh, where the seed of new ideas are, are planted uh, won't depend on being located, you know, in Silicon Valley or you know the the Ottawa, uh, Toronto, uh, uh, Waterloo uh, tech corridor, or uh, you know down in Boston or New York City somewhere. So, so for me, that's that's the biggest development that will come out. We're talking about 5G and broadband networks and things. Perhaps you can explain that a little bit more. Yeah, you know, I think I think there's more hype on 5G in terms of uh, what what it will do. So if you know, if you establish a 5G network, it's not going to be overnight that you're going to see the the development uh, of new industries. What what's important about 5G and, and uh, you know a broadband is is that connectivity and the industries that it enable. So things like um, uh, uh, augmented reality for uh, technicians uh, in the market make it easier. Uh, uh, someone who's a, a, a little bit of a, a gearhead, you know, being able to autom automate uh, uh, traffic control a little bit, a little bit better. So, um, you know, you you put these networks in. It's it's not an automatic given. What people need to remember is when you're putting these networks in, you're enabling industries to create new ideas, to create new sectors, to create new value propositions and solve new solutions for their customers. So one of those areas, and we'll talk a bit more about this now, is uh, the education market sector, which I think is still ongoing, trying to figure out how they're gonna do things in a new way, whether it's the K to 12 group, which has other issues uh, compounded in that, or post-secondary institutions. Where, where do you see the roads coming together in education with regards to the impact of the pandemic, new technologies, and just the, the role of education in the future? Yeah, that's uh, something that uh, uh, we're dealing with in our household right now with a, a seven-year-old uh, currently with the pandemic going on. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually, I've been impressed how, how he's adapted to uh, uh, the technology uh, it's it's been amazing. They, I think we often underestimate. You know, yeah, it's hard in the in the K to 12 uh, area, especially for the younger uh, kids in terms of adapting and being able to have those uh, um, uh, interactions where they're actually uh, learning. Uh, and tough for the teachers too as well uh, to to adapt to that. But uh, you know, we're seeing progress even on on a day to day basis. But in in terms of uh, again. Uh, the big developments coming out of uh, education are, are are access and location. You know, it's you're no longer dependent upon um, 
you know, I think of some of the great minds uh, at, at the University of Toronto and the engineering school or, or, or MIT down in the US, you know, having access to those people without physically needing to be at the university, I think that's the, uh, you know, the real game changer. And sure, yeah, massive online courses have existed for a, a, a long time, but I, you know, similar to, um, you know, back to your session with, with, with Humble Howard about podcasts and, you know, when they first started, people didn't really see the, the value of them. I still think we're in our infancy in terms of, of uh, how massive online courses will, will affect the, the educational nature. And so I can see continued uh, progress in that. And, you know, there's some great, great Canadian tech companies too. You know, I think of a desire to learn down in Waterloo, that's a very big player in the online uh, educational uh, space uh, and providing feedback and, and tracking uh, progress for, for, for students. And so it's, it's early days and to make a prognosis of, of where it's going, uh, I, I think is a little bit uh, risky. We, we don't know where things are, are, are going, but uh, uh, definitely again, similar to new companies, the seeds, an idea of, of, of technology, new companies and new educational models, we're, we're just really in its, its early, early days. So as I've been doing research on what you've been doing, what the company has been doing in terms of just mobile hardware and let's call it, uh, you know, this area of gadgets, which is people love. Um, uh, can you speak to any new things or things that are hitting the market now that Huawei is doing that are game changers? I mean, again, I'm, I'm looking at all these areas of robotics and just what's happening with these mobile platforms, and it's uh, pretty amazing. Yeah, well, you know, it's all from the, the, the cool gadgets uh, to things that, you know, people don't see. And I think some of the, the larger developments that uh, don't necessarily, uh, you know, make the, the light of day, so to speak, uh, because they're not as, as sexy as a, a handheld device or a new laptop or AI developments, but uh, materials, um, you know, you know, with with uh, sustainability goals and, 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 you know, global warming, uh, an ability to power a remote internet site uh, by solar or uh, cooling systems that um, are made with new materials. Uh, internet uh, usage, you know, consumes a, a lot of power. Uh, towers consume a lot of, a lot of power. Um, internet servers consume a lot of power so uh, you know we've been spending a lot of r d looking at how can we reduce uh, our uh, greenhouse footprint and look at these new materials and you know that harkens back to uh, a little bit of the the company's uh, history in terms of you know when they first started out they were they were relegated to markets that um, you know they call them tier tier five tier six um, uh, towns and cities really small so the company had to look at things like how do you deal with intermittent power supplies how, you know how do you deal or prevent rats from chewing through your wiring system because you you know there's not a lot of people going in and out of the the server room and and look at different materials like that so so for me that's that's one of the exciting things that the company does um, in terms of power supplies and cooling and, and how to reduce that uh, uh, that uh, footprint the other major one, of course, is uh, the continuing uh, miniaturization of, of chips. You know, we're, we're getting smaller and smaller. So the ability to put 
intelligence into uh, different products that you know haven't been developed or we currently take for granted, uh, making them more resilient, making them smarter. That's really where, where technology, uh, some of the cool things uh, coming out. And certainly uh, when you layer artificial intelligence uh, on there, uh, we're just starting to see uh, the beginning of, of some of the, the cooler products that, that, that are gonna be uh, coming out. In terms of uh, things like uh, smart vehicles, you know, I still think we're, you know, you, there's lots of claims out there in terms of, of uh, what can be done and what's coming. I still think we're we're a long ways away from from you know self-driving uh, cars, but that doesn't mean it can't make the the systems uh, more better, uh, more safer. And so that's where you're going to see the real cool technologies coming out is the automotive space, uh, the healthcare space, and for us certainly uh, in the reducing our greenhouse footprint. So what does all of this mean, say, for new entrepreneurs who maybe, you talk about the education sector and a lot of the new ideas coming out from that group of people, uh, a lot of energy, uh, but maybe not a lot of resources. So there's probably uh, a, a group of next generation innovators who have great ideas uh, or ideas that they can incubate. How does this new tech era impact those folks is this a, a game changer time or is it just a matter of firing through new product iterations yeah well it's it's already game time i think we're uh, you know we're in the second or third quarter of of, uh, of the technology revolution and it certainly uh, democratizes uh, the ability of new entrepreneurs to, to enter the market um, you know in in your space in the media space Certainly, you know, gone are the days of sending out, uh, you know, four or five people to, to do a, a story. You've got one person with a handheld boom mic and uh, um, a smartphone that can do just as good a, a, a job. Or in the podcast space, you know, you don't need someone with a big, huge engineering board. You need a laptop and a microphone and, a, and an internet or a phone connection to, to do it. So the democratization of of uh, entrepreneurship is 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 uh, really going to push things more forward uh, more more rapidly in my opinion okay so what is huawei's philosophy on moving forward this evolution or revolution in technology do we get further ahead through competition or cooperation at this stage yeah, that's that's a great question. Uh, there's lots of ways to un un unpack unpack that question. Um, the way forward and what we would advocate, Huawei would advocate for, it, it, you know, we really need in terms of the cyber security space. I'll, I'll unpack that one first. The cybersecurity space, we we really do need uh, global international standards where. Uh, all equipment manufacturers uh, uh, need to provide and, and be able to test uh, to be able to show that they, they meet those those requirements. I think the biggest threat to technology uh, as a whole is decisions being based on uh, politics as opposed to uh, uh, um, policy. And certainly we've seen that uh, as I mentioned, you know, I don't think there's a more scrutinized company in the in the global world right now than, than Huawei is. But really, how do we move away from, you know, 
the, those geopolitical tensions into really concentrating on standards that, that show a company's ability to meet or not to meet uh, uh, certain certain standards and, and, and move away from the um, the uh, the politizing or the uh, making politics the, the center stage for which all all companies are, are, are viewed for and it's something of course you know we've struggled um, to to counter um, over over the years and again part of it has been um, I think uh, our fault in terms of being able to tell our story and, and sometimes when you don't speak up people fill in the information that uh, that you may not like and so for us uh, we need to do a better job of, of, of telling our, our story. But um, the the globalization of, of standards, I would say, it would be the, the first starting block to, from which, which to go from, and then, then we go from there. And so does some of this responsibility fall on the Canadian government to perhaps set up the apparatus and the attitude that's going to help move things forward? Yeah, I think Canada can play a big role in this. Um, you know, they have the, what they call it the security review process that's run uh, through uh, one of the Canadian security agencies that actually has become the global model for uh, for other countries to to test gear, um, uh, telecommunications gear. So Canada has a definitely a, a big role in a leadership position, which might come to a surprise to some people uh, in this space. And so um, there needs to be a, whether it's a, you know the International Standards Organization, whether it's a, a UN body or, or whether it's something that, that's new government definitely has a role to play in, in protecting its citizens and you know that, that's the number one of any government anywhere in the world is to, to protect the interests and protect the physical well-being or, 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 or digital well-being of any of its uh, uh, citizens and so uh, an international organization well, I would be the the starting point uh, for sure and, and Canada does have a big role to play can play a big role in that oh. in that formation well perhaps in solving this particular problem Canada can uh, create a blueprint for the rest of the world perhaps to to follow because I believe that as technology evolves and as things get more complicated and to your point um, the need for people to understand what's going on this could be an opportunity here for everyone to kind of work together and perhaps create a new frontier in this area yeah, we want we want to avoid a, a, all the tech sector wants to avoid a, a balkanization of, of technology, sort of a, a, an East versus West, um, a Cold War era. Um, the, the tech industry for uh, decades has really made a push for global standards, not not only in cybersecurity and our privacy, but uh, you know even the way equipment interrupts because quite frankly it's more expensive uh, to make equipment for different uh, international standards it's more expensive for businesses that use that equipment to, to purchase it and so um, you see uniform a uniformed um, uh, opinion in terms of of globalization and, and trying to work together and to, to integrate uh, supply chains and you know you, you see what's going on with with our company uh, in, in the US and uh, no one is benefiting you know you've got 1300 US companies that are suing the US government because of, of uh, entity lists 
you know, uh, uh, Google and, and Huawei were uh, two big partners prior to, to the, you know, the actions that, uh, that Trump took and and just moving away from from people, you know, the politics using companies and people as political pawns to to achieve some sort of political gain that they they believe in their own minds will will help their their own citizens. Okay, and as we round out our time together, uh, final question and final thoughts as we wrap up this particular masterclass session. What do you think from all of this that we've talked about is the single most important thing that we can look forward to from Huawei in the future? Being out of the news. <laughs> that would be my, I say that tongue in cheek, but uh, you know, uh, it's 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 been a, a tough uh, uh, 18, uh, 18 months. You know, we've seen some um, tough issues to deal with the the, the uh, politics as opposed to to, to policy and, and what we like to see, uh, quite frankly, is we'd love to see the the, the two Michaels back in Canada home. Uh, we'd love to see. Uh, Menwan Joe be sent back to, to Canada and then restart the dialogue on Canada China uh, business. Um, things aren't perfect. Uh, you know, we may have different beliefs. Canadians uh, might have different beliefs than, than other countries, and, and that's great. And we should continue to promote uh, our system, which I think is, is the best system uh, in the world. It doesn't mean that we can't have disagreements, but again it comes back to the number one uh job of a government and that's looking after the 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 well-beings of of its citizen and certainly having a strong economy is is part of that and bringing up other issues is part of that but they're not mutually exclusive so i say it tongue-in-cheek but i really do believe the, the number one thing we want to see coming out of, out of huawei is being a little bit less of the news for geopolitical issues and more about our technology and help how we're helping to uh bring technology for all and and, and change the world and develop a, a better world for for everyone and with that let me say i hope that our conversation then reaches people around the world and perhaps we can begin some greater understanding and some resolutions and some solutions and reset the table and uh, move forward because I do think it all starts with communication and understanding uh, and just getting the messages out there. So with that, I will say thank you very much, Morgan. This has been a very honest and insightful uh, time together and I appreciate it. Thanks, Paul. I really appreciate the invitation. Thanks for listening. For more information about this episode, Huawei, or to hear any of our other episodes from this Masterclass series, please visit us at dnextnow.com. Until next time. She can't shoot what she sees.